We really screwed ourselves this time. Trying to, trying to stay there for the last shot. I don't even know where we are now. Hello, you're listening to Dark Static. Uh, this is a new show about uh, found footage films um, that I've been trying to start for a while, a pretty long time. Now just, I hit record and <laughs> here we go. It's it's finally happening. And honestly, the show notes for this podcast I've written, I wrote like maybe a year ago. I've had wow. this sh- I've had this show planned out for a while. My name is Alex Schiffer. Uh, I'm a voiceover artist, sound designer. I'm also a writer for Major Hi-Fi. And yeah, I've, I've made a few podcasts before, um, mostly uh, audio fiction. Yeah, so I love found footage. And honestly, found footage films were kind of my gateway into horror. Um, before I discovered found footage films, I wasn't, you know, I, I liked movies. I wasn't really a movie guy. Uh, I was like in high school. I think I was a freshman in high school, to be honest, you know, still trying to discover, you know, what it is that I actually like pretty much. I think most of us can understand what that's, what that's like. The things that you like in high school, you, not a lot of them stick around. This does when, once you're a fan of something like, you know, once you discover, you know, you make your way into something like horror that sticks with you for a long time because there's just so much out there. There's so much out there and there's so much to discover. You know, the fan inside of you kind of never, never dies. There's franchises and different series that, you know, you could get tired of over time. But, you know, you're always kind of looking for the next thing that's going to feel like it's going to be your thing. And for me, at least in high school, I was like, oh, my God, because that's when I first saw Paranormal Activity uh, It was in high school. And I, I, I was kind of. And by the way, like we're not talking. We're gonna talk about paranormal activity. We're gonna get to that show, but I can't myself personally for me. I can't talk about you know why I'm doing this show without talking about paranormal activity for at least a little bit because that was my that was my gateway into horror. Wait, There's, wow. Okay. I didn't yeah. That. That's just astounding to me because of how like late in the game to me for how like huge a horror fan you are. Because for me, and I mean, I mean, part of the reason that I am here. Uh, hi, uh, Zachary Gilmore Mahoney. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a self-described like major horror fan, and um, I have been obs- I would say like obsessed with horror in a weird way. It's like a fascination since I was like very young. I don't exclude any other genre. I, I would say like I love all genres, but I find myself gravitating towards horror um, in an odd way. Um, but I would say. <laughs> My experience with it is, I would almost describe it as like this weird seed of trauma that turned into like an itch I couldn't stop scratching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So like where I live in New York State, there's a channel called Cartoon Network. Uh, I mean, I don't know who doesn't know what that is, but um, it's a channel for animations, uh, animated TV shows and (laughs) For kids mainly that that was on channel 58 there was a channel right above that channel 59 called the sci-fi channel so all it took to go from like watching something that was like spongebob caliber to 
like watching a man get his innards ripped open um and pleading for someone to help him um was like looking, one button accidental button <laughs> looking at the camera uh, asking why you're watching this yeah. so i i just have like early memories of like uh, a movie called like 13 ghosts about this like uh you know what being like house yeah you know what i watched 13 ghosts recently <laughs> Yeah, it's a wildly yeah. entertaining movie. Yeah, it's great, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course you would watch that as a kid and go like, "Well, I would just want more of this." Yeah, and you know what? I think I did. I think I did stumble upon that movie as a kid too. But again, like when you're watching something as a kid, you don't really grow obsessions for that type of thing. It's it's almost like it's just a curiosity. Yeah, well, at least for me at that point. Like for me, it was always a curiosity, but I never delved into it. Uh, and thankfully, the the internet uh, helped me delve further and further and further into just depravity and kind of like the horror genre. The sci-fi was like a constant supply of just like their own original schlocky kind of movie content and whatever other things that they could premiere. Yeah, see, I never, I, I never really watched the Sci-Fi Channel a lot, but I did watch Cartoon Network a lot. Um, and there was a show, there was a show on Cartoon Network called Courage the Cowardly Dog, which definitely like oh, yeah. fed my inner horror needs when I didn't even know that I needed it. Um, and that's to this day like one of my favorite shows, and uh, like one of the probably like one of the standout animated horror media to exist so that you know that could could have also been a gateway for me like in my memory like because i don't remember anything i did when i was a kid besides you know watch tv that's how fried yeah. my brain is but i can i can trace a knot back to paranormal activity um and found footage mm. And and it's it's funny that like I mentioned the, the thing about like kind of like feeding that curiosity because that's kind of where it started for me with with found footage media. I don't know about you, but in high school I started to like dabble into a lot of just natural like paranormal stuff, and I remember like browsing the X boards of 4chan at like tw- uh, like two a.m. at night, and it'd be like a school night. I'm just like, oh my god, and you like. People would post links to like that, uh, um, that like guy in the mine or like Ted's. What's that? Well, it's that creepy pasta with like Ted's caving journal, I, I think. Um, I never like got into the creepy pasta stuff, I yeah. was almost explicitly like a movie person, yeah. Um, so, honestly, like, I would that was like pre movie, per- like, that's what got me into this stuff, mm. um. I would like like you sensed like the blend happening where oh this is the internet is becoming like they're producing movies yeah it like started own, like little- definitely yeah it started to intersect for me and it started with paranormal activity because like literally one night my friend sent me a link to like a website that just that had the whole movie online and he was like you have to watch this and I had no context whatsoever. And I just proceeded to, like, watch that overnight um, and just, like, I was mesmerized by it for some reason. I was just so yeah. mesmerized by it. It was it was our Harry Potter. Like, that's where the magic <laughs> was, was just 
it was kind of like rediscovering like, that it was it's kind of that same feeling like oh my god there's a whole thing yeah. there's more movies like this oh my god um and for a while like that honestly like when i was growing up when i was in high school that was like the scariest shit i've ever seen where which mm-hmm. now it's like this ba- this baby stuff but we'll get you know we'll we'll have a whole paranormal activity episode don't you worry it'll be one of our hallmark shows don't you worry um yeah super relevant to the um what you just said about you know your internet habits or your consumption of horror over the internet is like in a way related to what we're going to talk about um that sense of discovery like you uncovered something you weren't supposed to be watching well um I don't know what your experience was with this movie before and whether it was just like reading about it or, you know, just general knowledge of what this movie was just being kind of like the horror circle. Um, I, this was a movie that I found, um, when I was in high school, I watched this movie in high school for the first time because I was on again, internet forums being like, Oh, you got to watch this crazy, this crazy shit, you know? Um, cause it was that point in my life where it's like, I just want to shock myself constantly. Um, and just watching stuff like videos on live leak or, <laughs> you know, best gore, that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> there, that's way different than what we're going to talk about in this show. That's it's like kind of death. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. That's kind of what it led to though. And people are like, Oh, if you watch this up, then you definitely have seen Cannibal Holocaust, which is the movie that uh, we're going to talk about for this show. It's our first episode. Um, and we're going to talk about Cannibal Holocaust because Cannibal Holocaust, the found footage craze really started with Cannibal Holocaust. It wasn't really like I, I did not know that until I watched it. Exactly. It doesn't start off like any other found footage movie. And, and it's still like for the time and for, like for and now too. like, honestly, this is a daring daring film before we we talk about anything further like um if you've never seen cannibal holocaust and you know you want to keep listening to this show we're obviously going to spoil the hell out of it if you know about it you know about it but if you've never watched this movie and maybe the show gets you curious please like proceed with caution <laughs> and it's you know not something like oh, this movie is so scary Ooh, it's nothing like that <laughs> It's not that at all. Um, if you know Cannibal Holocaust, what it's famous for, you know that it's, you know, animal killings and, you know, not even just that. Like, there's a, there's two sexual assault scenes that are pretty rough to get through. Pretty, pretty realistic looking, like, sexual assault scenes. Yeah. Proceed with caution. I, I'm, like, if you're sensitive to any of that, like, you, you don't... Basically, this is uh, this is our show's version of like uh, FBI warning, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, honestly, yeah. I think you watched this on Shutter, right, Zach? I did, yeah. Because in this Shutter version, I think there's three different uh, warnings before the the movie. Well, you know what? Actually, are- there's two warnings in the Shutter version, and then. If you watch, which I, I highly recommend, if you've, if you've seen Cannibal Holocaust before, watch the Joe Bob uh, episode on Cannibal Holocaust. If you have Shudder, too. Oh. Uh, if you have Shudder, watch the Joe Bob last drive-in on Cannibal Holocaust. It's really, really good. 
and he pointed that out. He pointed this out on his uh, show. There is three different warnings because there's his show warning and then Shudder's warning and then the actual like distributed movie warning. So you need to make it past those three warnings. And if it all sounds good to you, then, well, you're, you're in for a great time. You're in for, <laughs> you're in for, uh, you're in for quite a time. Um, so you're gonna yeah, get exactly what you get. Exactly. You deserve this. Um, but yeah, do, do you have anything to add about, you know, just found footage in general? Um, you know, why, before we really start getting into the, the meat of this movie. Found footage. No, I'll, I'll say like, I mean, as far as, um, my experience with found footage specifically, um, I think my initial exposure was Blair Witch, which I think was a lot of people's exposure. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that another time, but, um, that there was, you know, I I was of the age where you buy the schoolyard rumors about it being real and how there was this movie that was maybe real um, mm-hmm. about these people getting like lost in the woods and dying. But I don't think I saw it until a little later when I was in about middle school or something. And um, like you, Paranormal Activity was like a, a major influence on me. It's not a movie I... Honestly, I, I like all that much, but um, but it doesn't have I, to be. No, it it doesn't. It, it it was interesting to me and what it led to its influence on like horror as like a genre and on like the market, which is probably an even bigger influence in it. Like any more than anything else, like the way that money changes hands in Hollywood because of paranormal activity. Yeah, I um, think. I think budget yeah. too, like, is a whole other thing because when you watch a found footage movie and you're, you, you know, you're kind of into film, maybe you're a filmmaker, maybe you're like a aspiring filmmaker, and you watch a found footage movie, you'd be like, and that's what always gets to me, like, because I'm like, I watch a movie and I'm like, oh man, I, you know, I could see myself shooting something like this just with my friends on a weekend, um, yeah, because you know they're movie- one of those, absolutely, yeah, they're typically movies that you don't need a huge budget to you know to, to make you know you could just yeah you, know, you just grab your iphone to be honest um and people have done that um i i hope to talk a lot about uh you know not just like films but you know analog horror on uh, on the internet as well i have a huge episode about marble hornets in the works we'll, we'll get to that oh i have no experience with that so that'll be really oh, interesting oh, oh. <laughs> yeah we're already hyping up future shows i love it um Found footage just as a genre, like as a genre, as an artist, for me, like it speaks to me the, on, on a deeper level than than I think a lot of different films. And that's strictly on like uh, not just like aesthetic, but like something I could see myself doing. Like, of course, I want to see myself like being a part of you know a, a whole bunch of different types of movies using a whole bunch of different techniques. But found footage has always seemed to me like the most attainable for for anyone to do. And found footage can be someone's great start. And in a lot of cases, it has been uh, for for a number of different uh, for a number of different filmmakers. Yeah, there's a lot of like major directors working now in Hollywood who are doing like the biggest multi million dollar movies who are like horror directors, found footage horror directors. Yeah, yeah, just like superhero yeah. movies are being directed now. Yeah, you start making a you start making a you know you make a movie for anywhere in like the hundred thousand range, and that's a, that's supposed to be like. A, a low budget movie, but for like a very amateur filmmaker, you know, you could spend like $5 on a 
movie and just use your phone. And that's a film that can still get seen, to be honest. So that that's kind of why we're doing this show, that why it speaks to me. Because I, I think found footage has a, a very artistic appeal to me. And you know, I, I think it does to you as well. I think we're going to start. There's a very strong indie spirit. Oh, yeah, definitely huge indie spirit to, to found footage. You can't start anywhere besides here with Cannibal Holocaust. Watch it, Alan. I'm shooting. Oh, good Lord. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual writer. With the almost profound respect these primitives have for virginity. Which you is, may want to. <laughs> but there's nowhere else you can start. There's nowhere else. Yeah, you may want to start somewhere else, but you, you have to start here. Unfortunately, like this is this has to be the movie that uh, <laughs> has to be where where we begin. Um, and it all starts in 1980 when an Italian filmmaker dares to go there you know <laughs> so yeah this is a movie by uh rogero diodato he is an italian filmmaker and he's mainly known for uh cannibal films if you don't know there is a huge cannibal movie movement in italy during this time called the mondo movement yet a number of filmmakers you know, that were included uh diodato that uh made all these all these cannibal movies and you know to some cannibal holocaust was just another one of those movies but to dead dotto this is all taking place during like not necessarily that grindhouse era but like that exploitation era where people were just going there with films uh during like the late 70s and uh early 80s people were just trying to figure out what the rules were I may be wrong, but is this during the time where we had the, the I think it's pronounced Giallo films? Giallo is, I think, I think a lot earlier. Giallo films started in like the 60s, oh. I believe. But I think you could trace the Mondo movement back to the, the Giallo movement, definitely. Not a lot of filmmakers overlap, but you can tell, like, you can tell they take a lot of inspiration. For Dead Dotto, you, you can't really compare a lot of the, a lot of those movies to this. It not only is it the first found footage film, it's probably the seminal Mondo film. Yeah, I mean, I I can buy that. As somebody who has, like, not seen any other Mondo movies, um, yeah. well, aside from a postmodern one called Green Inferno, <laughs> I find it hard to imagine anything, like, topping this. You've seen Green Inferno? Yeah, I've seen Green Inferno. How shitty is Green Inferno? <laughs> Green Inferno blows. <laughs> I actually... I wanted to, we'll get to it later, but I, I wanted to bring up one of the key differences between this movie and Green Inferno. That As, Aside from being found footage, because that movie is straight up narrative. Footage, yeah. Just a sort of weird, and I mean this in the least political way, whatever, but like <laughs> there's a, a way more like conservative tinge to what that movie is saying versus what this movie is saying. That is interesting because they appear to be very similar movies on the one hand, but then there's like a core difference to them that makes yeah. it kind of a little bit weirder in a weird way. It's I mean, it's fine because it all goes back to this movie. Obviously, I mean, Eli Roth was directly ripping, you know, this film 
like, oh, uh, yeah, I love Cannibal Holocaust. I'm going to make my own. And it's like that turns out the way you think it, you know, it normally turns out that way when you're doing, yeah. like, you know, an yeah. homage uh, like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but it's funny you bring up the political aspect of it because, you know, you think of Cannibal Holocaust and all of its controversy and, you know, politics is like the last thing that you think of. But honestly, you watch this film and that that stuff is like you can't miss it. And obviously, I'm not, no. I'm not. I'm never this the person to be like, oh, you shouldn't bring politics into this film or this film. It's no. like no, every yeah, I'm I'm one of the people that's like yeah, every movie has like a, some some form of political uh, viewpoint. You know, right? Weird, that's just who, yeah, that's just who we are. But in Cannibal Holocaust, it sh- directly shows you that stuff. As you know, aside yeah. from the animal murder, because there's more archival footage than just, you know, the fake stuff that they show. Um, yeah. Or, or the, you know, script. I won't say fake because, you know, there's some things in this movie that aren't fake. But there's also some things in this film that aren't fake and have nothing to do yeah. with the, like, main controversial elements of the film. And speaking of that, honestly, this movie mainly is a controversial point because of the animal murder, which obviously is justified, but there was nothing about the sexual uh, assault aspect of this film brought up in any, in any like discourse around the film. It was all the animal murder, which, which obviously like, yeah, that's probably the most like direct thing that to get like angry about, but you can't just kind of scoop that to the wayside as well. And at first, you know, like, because I, I was not prepared for it because I knew the film going in was controversial. And it's kind of yeah. why I like you thought watching it for a while. You thought it was just going to be animal murder. You know, I was I was in for a uh, in for a penny and then in for a pound. I thought I was going to get a pig, you know, watch a pig get shot uh, live on camera. But um, yeah, you prepared for that mentally. Yeah, yeah I was prepared <laughs> mentally to watch. <laughs> A squirrel monkey get decapitated, but um, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it gets. It, I, I understand where people, you know, might say, "Oh, well, the you know the sexual assault isn't real. It's upsetting, but it isn't real. The animal abuse is real." And it's like, okay, fair, but then you look at like the actual like production of the movie, and you realize that like one of the actors who was like portraying. I think a native got into an argument, like like didn't want to do the scene. Basically, it was and um, then the director it, took her it, off set and yelled at her. It was um, not the native actress. It was the um, oh, was it the main uh, the the member of the documentary crew? Yeah, it was one. It was is the the main female lead in the in the documentary crew. Right, she got upset um, uh, with with uh, Deodato. And Deodato was just didn't give a shit. Didn't give a shit. And 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 several of the actors like had, the main sort of uh, lead documentary character, um, who I I think is played by Carl Gabriel York, uh, apparently also like had a lot of trouble with like being asked to you know kill an animal and and with a, a sexual assault scene. Um, yeah, and uh, apparently had like a lasting impact on him. I bet. So, yeah, I, I bet it would, it would have a lasting impact on on anyone. Second, you know? Yeah, it's and it's so strange. Like watching the movie, it's like it's not just that they like kill the animals. It's also like 
the actors are the ones who have to do it. Yeah. Because they're the ones on camera playing the characters who were killing the animals, which is like, I feel like different from how we normally hear about like animal abuse and animal killings on a set. It's usually like the animals are killed by like the crew or the production in some way. You know, you see that dog. Well, that's actually like three different dog actors because, you know, <laughs> yeah. a dog starved or, you know, another dog hurt himself. But in this movie, because the characters are the ones doing the abuse, the abuses, they actually had the real actors like those people put, putting down these animals, even yeah. if they had some issue with it. And it sounds like in some cases they weren't even really fully aware that that was something they were going to be doing. So yeah, I can see, I can see how you would take issue with both things like the animal abuse and the sexual assault. Cause off on and off behind the camera in front of the camera, there were problems. Yeah, all around. Uh, this is like a kind of a but, nightmare production story. It's just one of those one of those famous nightmare production stories that uh, you hear about, and you hear about a lot of that stuff with you know very famous, uh, you know at least uh, American, uh, you know uh, directors as well. Like you know, this is something that's just unique to Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, no, I mean, there's other directors within this sort of '60s '70s movement of, of yeah. you know horror and. To be fair, this is one of the most yes, extreme cases. Yeah, no, this is one of the most extreme cases. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I almost have, can't think of another movie that is. Um, well, yeah, there's movies definitely. where you know, uh, you know, there's movies where you know a director, you know, will put like an actor's life in danger. You know, we hear those stories all the yeah. time. And this is another thing. Go watch that episode of Last Drive-In. It's awesome. And if you haven't watched Last Drive-In, watch Last Drive-In because it's a really great show. He uh, he pointed out, like, the entire existence of this film is to make sure that no one does this again. Like, this is the only <laughs> film that can do this. And it had, I guess, I, I guess this movie, if Deodato didn't do this movie, someone would have done something like this. Yeah, he was doing us a service. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, let's get into the the movie proper. Get all that controversial stuff out of the way uh, and get right into the nitty gritty of uh, of Cannibal Holocaust. If you you go into Cannibal Holocaust thinking like, oh, this is a found footage movie and you get brought into like a good like hour of uh of traditional live action narrative and be like what i thought this was a found footage movie uh that's definitely what i thought when i first saw it but i did yeah because i didn't really have context on you know what the actual story was you know within the fiction itself um not just the controversial elements but you know this at the end of the day this is still a film and we're going to kind of give it the service that i think it deserves uh you know as a film as and, a movie, it is that's that is the. I mean, I know we're past the controversy section. I'm just going to lightly touch upon. It. I mean, that is the main dynamic that is so interesting about the movie. Is like as a movie, I I think it's a good movie. Like I think it's a good movie. <laughs> For me, it's a good movie. Obviously, it's not the most watchable. <laughs> I wouldn't throw on like, oh yeah, yeah. Cannibal Holocaust. That's a good movie. I'm going to toss that on. Go yeah. su- Sunday afternoon, lazy Sunday afternoon. Toss on a bit of Cannibal Holocaust. Grab a Caprizi sandwich or <laughs> anything. <laughs> I don't know why I said oh that God. specifically. I'm trying to think of like the the most viscous food, <laughs> like heavy, sloppy. <laughs> well, I I think I yeah. told you I was eating like a, a pasta that I made. Oh yeah, that's perfect. While I watched it, that's perfect. That uh, is. 
that is cannibal holocaust uh streaming food yeah good like fettuccine alfredo as as intended by the director that was his vision (laughs) if you're gonna eat anything during (laughs) cannibal holocaust it definitely needs to have the right texture (laughs) yeah (laughs) um this movie starts out with this pretty long title sequence uh, with some very specific music, uh, one that you don't expect to hear during a, uh, a can- uh, movie called Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. It's kind of got this, um, I wouldn't tell I don't know what genre this is, um, but all I can kind of describe it as is something that sounds like Frank Sinatra would sing over. Like he would like sing slowly over the Cannibal Holocaust theme. In a kind of like 100%. phoning, yeah, and like a kind of phoning it in fashion, like cannibal holocaust or something like that. Um, and this movie goes on, you know, with that uh, with that opening <laughs> sequence. And uh, funnily, funnily enough, one. Can I hear more of this? this okay. This, uh, <laughs> this, like, you know how like all those movies had like. Like in the '90s, they would make all those movies where, like, um, for just no reason, the credits would have like a song, an original song about the movie that you just watched. So, like, Deep wow. Blue Sea, which was like a killer movie, had like LL Cool J talking about how he had like a fucking shark fin. Like, so many movies like that. Like, there was a Nightmare on Elm Street with like. Um, I think it was like Bismarcky or something. I just love this this Frank Sinatra cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> this crossover, yeah. You got. But yeah, like But yeah, that, no, it's a banger. It's a banger. It's a, it's a great song. It's a great song so much so um, that it was recognized recently. I had no idea that uh, the show Euphoria used this uh, used this theme recently. Yeah, apparently it was in an episode in season 2. Uh, I guess it's called The Theater and it's Double. I have not watched the second season of that show. I've not watched um, a lick of Euphoria. I but... mean, I watched the first one and I can tell you that um, it sounds about right. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I can tell that it's that that's pretty funny. <laughs> they would use that. Yeah. They would use that, uh, they use that theme there. The setup for this film is actually pretty interesting. A guy named Professor... Harold Monroe, he's an anthropologist uh, from NYU, um, and he's investigating these uh, filmmakers, documentary filmmakers that go missing. I think they go missing in in, in the movie. They go missing in the Amazon because I know the movie takes place or the movie's literally shot in like the Amazon. But I don't know if they like prop it up. As, I forgot if they uh, prop it up as, as something else. But yeah, no, no, no. They disappear. Yeah, no. they, they definitely disappear into the Amazon rainforest. That's what this professor is investigating. To me, this kind of sounds like the setup of, of like an HP Lovecraft story, to be honest. And I know that sounds weird and I have a broader point with this, but I'm really into the actual act of finding the footage Yeah, in a literary sense. It's so immersive to me. It, it's way more classical than you think like the, the, this kind of story setup. for me. Like I read a lot of HP Lovecraft, um, a, you know, a lot of stories like that, but honestly, like even, f- you know, move, like, uh, a book like Frankenstein or Dracula, like those books are, are written like they're found. So to me with, with found footage in general, like it's kind of the visualization 
of this kind of writing style. And this movie comes right off the bat introducing you to that. And that that's something that I, that I find really, really interesting. Do you have anything to, to, to say about that? I, I mean, I, I think I literally like took a note on that. Like I just thought, wow, like half half of the movie is the journey to get the footage. Yeah. Like most movies we're familiar with that are found footage now just kind of like they start and we'll we'll get into this. There's a huge trope that I continuously do not like in a lot of found footage movies where they always take way too much time to explain why there's a camera there where I would honestly just be, I'd rather them just say nothing and, and be, and be like, Oh yeah. Like some guy just shot this. They're at the point now where like what they never explain is how they got the footage. Like they spend so much time trying to justify like why somebody is recording like a zombie coming at him instead of like (laughs) fighting the zombie or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they never explain like how they get the footage and now like it's gotten to such a like a ridiculous degree where it's just like end of the movie is like the camera is in the woods with like a cult where it's like or, or literally like they get eaten by a giant monster and the camera is in the monster and the movie ends and it's like <laughs> how did you get the camp like yeah, how who, did you get the camp yeah like saying like another movie that we're gonna that we're gonna have a huge episode on like cloverfield uh, is something that it just pops into my mind right now that uh you know at least there's like text in the beginning that's like the u.s government uh <laughs> like uh recovered yeah. this footage uh <laughs> we'll we'll get to that yeah, um but right. it really you know where it really works is in like kind of like mockumentary style I don't know if they're considered mockumentaries, yeah. to be honest. A lot of found footage we'll talk about are also structured like fake documentaries. Yeah, movies like uh, like like Lake Mungo with Poughkeepsie tapes. Those movies are straight up documentaries with a strong found footage element, and we'll definitely talk about those movies on this show. That those are the movies that fall in line with Cannibal Holocaust because everything about this setup is pretty realistic, to be honest, and not just because it's you know. It's starting out is like kind of a real fictional narrative. So, you know, you yeah, you already kind of know what you're getting. And then once you get to the actual found footage part is where, you know, the movie, you know, kind of does a lot of new stuff. But for now, like in the main setup, this is, you know, a traditional narrative. Yeah. For, for like the first half. Yeah. No, it, it creates. I mean, like you said, from like a literary sense, it's like it creates a really cool build where you finally you want to know what happened to the documentary crew and then you finally get the footage and there's a lot of anticipation and anxiety based around the footage so when you're actually watching the footage you're on the edge of your seat basically because you you have spent so much time the movie is basically communicated to you over the course of like 40 minutes like this shit's going to pop off when they find this footage, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it's also going to retextualize a lot of stuff that uh, is said in the beginning of this film. Like, probably the most interesting aspect of it to me is how the documentary crew itself is kind of not, like, heroized, but just kind of, you know, they're they're looked up upon, definitely. This team that's going out into the Amazon rainforest, they are, you know, these, uh, you know, this ragtag... Uh, 
you know, crew of film of young filmmakers that uh, is going to, you know, learn you all about uh, about these native uh, people. Once we actually start finding out what happened and getting to the found footage part of the movie, all that stuff comes just crashing down, which is definitely like my personal favorite part of this film. Anyway, it goes on. They go to the movie starts out with uh, uh, Harold Monroe. And I don't think I mentioned this before. He's played by uh, Roger Kerman, um, who's actually an American actor. Um, apparently a pretty notable uh, porn actor. Oh, yeah. all, I'm, all, I mean, I, all I saw about it was he was part of the golden age period of the porn industry. I don't know a lot about. I mean, apparently he's in Debbie Does Dallas. I, I mean, I haven't seen it, but that's like the porn movie we should watch it we should watch we should watch that together um (laughs) speaking of that there is yeah speaking of that there is full frontal male nudity in this movie i don't know if i point if i noted that at all or if it's even like pointing out but if you if you're not you're not expecting full frontal male nudity uh you know expect some um anyway they go to the rainforest (laughs) they go once they start going along with um, with their guide, that's where you kind of get the first animal killing. I, does the rape scene happen first, or does the killing the they, they kill like a mus like a little muskrat thing? Uh, I am pretty confident that the sexual assault scene happens first. Um, yeah, they because kinda... I I remember thought like, oh wow, this yeah. this is uh, starting off really really. Uh, <laughs> that's the first well. <laughs> like rough thing that you see in this film which is uh, a rich in the context of the film is like a ritual from the natives yeah for adultery ceremony. and it involves like one of them like shoving this wooden block uh yeah it's 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 bad um it's 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 a rough scene yeah. Knowing what you knew going into the film, did were did you like cringe every time that they even like show a quick shot of animals doing anything? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, because yeah. I yeah. I remember early on in the movie, there's a scene with just like cutting to monkeys jumping around. I was like, don't <laughs> like don't show me, oh, all don't show me these animals. Just get 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 it over with. Yeah. Like I remember just seeing like there, there's a quick like insert shot of like a of a of a monkey like jumping. Uh, from branch to branch, and I, I literally thought like, oh, this they're gonna just shoot the fucking monkey out of the sky. And yeah, like I was I like mean, a- anticipating the worst. Like whenever an animal is shown on screen, like you have to anticipate the worst is gonna fucking happen to it. I, I, I mean, I would say I don't know if we want to keep talking about the animals, but I, <laughs> the worst had to be the turtle. Yeah, well, the we'll, turtle. We'll, we'll get to the turtle. Uh. Yeah, do you have anything like just about like the first I guess act of the film? Um, you know, actually, you know, the the act of going and finding the footage. Like they they do go and, and find the uh and find the tribe and they they have like these tapes uh kind of wrapped around them and like oh, that's those are the film reels uh that uh from the from the documentary crew and you start to notice like there's skeletons around and you can kind of get the sense like oh, that's that was their ultimate fate. But you have no, you know, you have no context yet. And I don't think I talked about this. Uh, a, a scene in the film, I, I think this happens toward the beginning. They're interviewing 
one of the documentarian's fathers. He says something like, you know, you know, what was your what was your son like? And he was he's literally just says he's like I forgot what his exact words were, but he, he said something along the lines of he stinks and I don't like him. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny part of the movie. He's lousy. He's lousy. No good. Uh <laughs> I mean, like, are we at the point? This is the point in the movie where he's st- the the main character. I don't know if you can even call him the main character, but he's our point uh, of view. He's pretty much like our point of our view point. of this uh, Harold the uh, Monroe is pretty much like our point of view this character. Is when, this is when he's like starting to integrate into multiple societies. Like, there's a few different. Yeah, there's planets. cannibal. There's cannibal factions that are like warring with each other. Yeah. The, and, like, the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the Yanomana, the Yanomanmo, and the Shamatari. Those are the tribes. Yeah, not even try. Which I guess are like real tribes. Are they really? Yeah. Oh. Well, they're real. Oh, wow. Like okay. the, the well, that's another thing. Like they're the actual cannibals. You know, the, well, the actual like native tribes uh, in the valley are like real native people to that region. Yeah, they might not be cannibals, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. something that's made for the film. But one of Deodato's, uh, like, because he'll try, you know, obviously he tried to, you know, justify the animal killings. And one of those justifications, well, well, they would have been killed anyway by the by the natives. But it's like, yeah, sure, but you don't have to go and make your actors do it and film them doing it. You know? Yeah. That's way different than like, oh yeah, they would have just been hunted anyway. Like, sure. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. right. So I so I think it's the Shamatari or the ones that uh the ones that actually or the ones that uh had had the uh had the film canisters. He he integrates into their sort of um society ritual and is able to spirit those things away from them yeah and that's kind of where it wraps up with like the at least like that part of the the film um with the you know live action narrative because they go back to new york fairly quickly after that and they start actually watching the the footage and i want to point out that the room that they're actually watching the the next part of the film in is rather nice (laughs) i just want to say it looked like a very nice little movie theater that I I wish to. Oh, that was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if I ever had like a yeah. home, like a giant house with a with a movie theater, it would probably look like that. Um, and I'm guessing some actually do look like that. I, and I yeah. kind of getting to that. Like I kind of like the, I guess this is like the juxtaposition between like them and this like very like lavish not it's not really like lavish but it's very like looks like a very cozy comfortable theater room and they're yeah, watching it, these it uh kind of throws you, it throws you for a loop a little bit like if you're watching this movie and you're expecting like i mean especially with the context of all these new horror films and, and new found footage movies you kind of expect it to just go further and further with these characters going into these this sort of tribal territory Mm-hmm. Um, but then all of a sudden, like halfway through the movie, they're like, oh, we're back in New York in like a ritzy New York. Oh yeah. They make sure they show you all the, all the New York iconography they can. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think even the twin towers are, are in this film, by the way, too. Are they? Yeah. Well, I could, yeah. Yeah. A staple. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of, 
this uh there's a, there's sort of like a debate between this um POV character and um the people he works for so like the the executives of like the Pan American Broadcasting System um, yeah yeah so, so my apologies he doesn't work for them but they they essentially want to utilize this footage and capitalize off of it um and he spends a lot of time telling them like they should really look at the footage and they probably don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I think it was a, there's a funny conversation, like them wanting to like dramatize, like try to dramatize some of the footage. And then like after watching a little bit of they're like, Oh, we don't need to do that at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you talking about the final scene, which is like their reactions are like hilarious, but also fucking it's so, it's so horrifying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Way. Well, let's talk about like what actually goes on in the yeah in the we'll uh get into the in in the found found footage let's talk about honestly like i want to talk about how it shot for a bit this this part it looks yeah. even for the for then because you'd expect like found footage films to grow in realism over time um that's kind of not true um this footage looks so raw um yes yeah and it looks so so convincing <laughs> And that is all to me. Like, I think that's part of the craft of it. Like, I think that's all done by design because they really want you to believe it. And I think part of found footage films in general is there is a huge, there's a way bigger argument for the suspension of disbelief for found footage films, because in the context of how it's shot, how you, you know, come upon it, like there's always this kind of tradition like this unspoken ceremony that what you're watching is is real right and you know that's part of part of the immersive quality of of of, of found footage uh as a genre that, that is like the linchpin of the entire genre exactly and purpose. Yeah. for the for the first found footage film like it's part like honestly the, at least like the way it's shot is is perfect because we'll get to like later found footage films and a lot of them look very clean and which is always a sort of issue for me but it also makes sense because on like i don't know a lot of cameras look clean like very clean nowadays you know but it kind of takes you out a little bit which is why i think like recent found footage horror Mm -hmm. movies i mean recently we just had vhs 94 and they chose that year they chose 1994 for a reason that's a good point. And this, and, and, you know, and this is using cameras back in like the seventies and eighties. So not only does it have this look, but like there's the color of it, which I think is just kind of, it has, it the, has, the, it finds a way to still have an aesthetic flourish while, while being shot on a camcorder, like while being shot this way. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, exactly. Like it still looks good as a film. Like it has a, I mean, because it's in the Amazon, it has this very vibrant, lush color palette that sometimes gets like very dirty and murky and brown and gray. Um, yeah, exactly when it needs to. Yeah. Which is why it's like part um, of the design of the film, which, you know, and if any of that was fictionalized, it would, I, I think it would be more, have more artistic merit, but. And so when they're actually like doing the things that they do, it's like some of the artistic merit and like, a, you know, part of that, you know, style and tone that we're, we're talking about now, it's kind of lost with, you know, when you get to all that, but yeah. you know, so, you, you can't ignore it. I, that's all I'm saying. 
It, yeah, the the imperfections look, like give it this feel that it is more real. And and uh, like I think I was saying earlier with the whole like how did they get the camera thing? Like the impetus behind like found footage horror movies is just like non-existent. Like there's almost no reason I find in my opinion for a lot of those movies to be found footage other than the fact that know that found footage is like a booming genre and that it, it will put butts in seats essentially yeah it, um, will, it will get screened yeah. in a theater in like an amc where you see that like nicole kidman ad played beforehand yeah. <laughs> and then you and then you watch this film and like some guy in the front row is like just facetiming his friend throughout the whole thing could you imagine if nicole <laughs> kidman watching that ad and the they cut to the screen and it's just like the end of cannibal holocaust <laughs> playing and she has the same exact fail, like childlike like wonder uh, in her eyes yeah <laughs> and she's watching like a turtle get demolished <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah um yeah it just feels like they've abandoned any like creative reasoning behind why they're doing a found footage movie so they just don't when it comes to asking these questions about like why are they holding a camera the entire movie or where did they get the footage? They just kind of don't, how, how are we able to see these things that you need to tell your story? The answer is always like, Oh, well we just cut to a camera we've never seen before in the entire movie, like in the corner of a room, like a security camera or something. And then, yeah, that's the that other thing. Again. That's the other thing. That's the other tricky Make thing about, yeah, that's the other tricky thing about found footage movies is editing. Like there are cut shots that when you present the, film this way you know have to be so deliberate there's only really like a select few movies i think that take that technique into consideration uh when when we're dealing with found footage one of them's neuroi which we'll talk about but here oh. here i think that i i think that it's it's honestly like pretty sound um uh, you know, all the cuts in this film are, they kind of just fly by without you even noticing them. Because a cut in a found footage film needs to be a lot more deliberate. Because, uh, again, when I'm, when I'm speaking then about like this. For why that cut happens as opposed right. to a cut in a movie that you're not meant to notice. If you're using the narrative, part of the narrative, to justify why things are being filmed then you also need to use that visually to justify why things are being cut. And I yes. think it even like in this film, they show like someone is cutting the film. Like someone is cutting this footage. That part of the film kind of just flies by like normal. And you know, not a lot of films like obviously are in like not a lot of found footage films just go on in a continuous take even a film like the Blair Witch Project uses cuts and you have to be wondering like what who did, this? Who did like not who did this like you, you kind of understand like something being screened for you like they're not going to show every single second of footage that's in, you know in the fiction of the of the narrative there's more footage that was out there that was cut because it just didn't matter to the story you know which rings true to like pretty much you know even films that aren't found footage Right, but in found footage films, I I believe that that's one of these unspoken things. In Cannibal Holocaust, again, like that's something that's covered, which you don't see a lot. Yeah, and I, it's because it's I, well, maybe it's because it's the origin, and it was just 
you know, it was just an idea and this person wasn't, I don't know, wasn't intending to create some new thing called found footage. They were just, they just thought, wouldn't it be scary if I made a movie where this really like messed up thing happened to these people Yeah, and you had to wait to find out and then you got this footage and it felt like you weren't supposed to be seeing the footage and then, you know, wouldn't it be scary to like have that slowly unveil by watching this footage that you found or something, you know? Yeah, um, the remnants of these people, basically, and and then it just was such an effective idea. Yeah, and it's and, so effective in that, like, you know, like when they're showing you this footage, that you're only getting the highlights, pretty much, of this trip. Yeah, because um, in this, specifically in this section of the film, it really is just like one depraved event after another. Yeah, and well, can you list? I'm trying to remember everything. I mean. We, we we see their 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 um, guide get bit by a venomous snake and die, and they seem kind of like yeah. not super phased by it. They don't really. And that's care. kind of like yeah, like you know uh, the nature of these kind of young young dumb full of cum white people. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's kind of the that's kind of like the. People. That's kind of the veil that's being uh, ripped open now over this film is like, you know, these rag, these, uh, these filmmakers, but they're also fucking awful, uh, which isn't something that's covered for the first half of the film. So it's really like part of that is really shocking. If you're like actually into the narrative of Cannibal Holocaust, that's a pretty like solid twist, uh, especially for the time. It is, And it's, 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 it's pointed like it's it is I, I think you mentioned uh, before we started recording um something about the inspiration for this movie um was the director witnessing the way that Italian media was had covered the red brigade yeah um and the way that this movie approaches this like narrative of like oh what happened to these poor white dark continent um and probably got eaten up and then it turns out hold on say that one more time i don't think it came through um oh sorry i don't think it came through well where do you want me to where should it start the back to the the, at the at the the red director the red brigade yeah just whatever the last oh yeah something 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 that you told me earlier was that the this film was inspired by the the Italian media coverage of the Red Brigade's terrorism, which was like a, a, a far left um, guerrilla group in Italy. Um, and the way the way that the me, the the media perspective that we have going into this movie, which is like, oh, we're watching these documentarians, these news folk. Uh, these poor young white people uh, who disappeared and oh what happened to them go to this like foreign place and maybe they were eaten um, and we feel really bad about them and we see this like kind of as the movie goes on we see the remnants of of their their being here Um, and then the twist being like oh actually these people were like super exploitative they were abusive. They were basically murderers. They were rapists, um, and they treated 
the people here know better than like livestock or cattle that they could use to make their own fortunes. Um, and they had fun while they were doing it. Yeah. Um, so exploitation. Like yeah. So exploitation's like pretty weaved into this narrative. Uh, you know, not just from like the, uh, you know, like, uh, and then like the content of the film, but like, cause at the end of the day, like he is using exploitation to make, to like comment in a way on exploitation. Yeah, no. And yeah. And <laughs> well, and that's kind of my other thing is like, while watching the movie, I was kind of a little bit, I, w- I was a little bit upset about that because yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like some of the artistic integrity of this movie is yeah. kind of ripped away. The more you learn about it. <laughs> Right, because if you're doing all these things in order to make your movie that involve abusing people, sexually harassing people, um, yeah, killing like- animals, to make your point about a m- movie where people you're demonizing people who are doing this the same exact same thing, thing, then the more you realize about the movie, it's like, well, this is kind of of shit. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I get how- it. This is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. But who was the real cannibal Holocaust? Like, <laughs> Turns out what? it's you or whatever. <laughs> they might actually say that at the end, don't they? Say, I wonder who the real cannibals are. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Actually, say that. Who are the real? Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the uh, pr- um, the producers or or someone like that is like, who? I wonder who the real cannibals are. That's like the 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 movie. That's like the line the movie ends on. Or no, no, no. Monroe says it. Monroe is like, huh? I wonder who the real cannibals are. Real and all this. Are. And then it like yeah. pans up to like the New York skyscrapers. Yeah. Do 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 do. Dude, I, I think that movie. I think that song plays at the end. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it's just funny because if the movie didn't have that history, it would be like I feel like I would be like, oh, that's sick. If you knew you know, nothing, uh, if you knew nothing about the controversy, and if you didn't know that they even like killed animals or there, you know, anything like this is a pretty like a pretty daring. I mean, it's still a daring film, but like. But as I, I as I keep saying, like there would be way more artistic integrity to that than there actually is. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I agree. Yeah. 100%. Um. But yeah, like going forward, like with the actual things that happened in the uh, in the found footage section, like there's the you know you quickly get introduced to them and how awful they are, and they like you know burn down a hut full of you know just like full of cannibal like not cannibals but. I don't know. Uh, well, I guess they are cannibals, but, but you know, they burned down a hut full of natives. Uh, they're doing nothing. Like they're doing nothing. They just kind of, you know, are being sadistic and awful. Um, there's, you know, there's a, uh, the second sexual assault scene, which is, you know, just a gang rape scene, which is such a, is such a weird scene in general because they start like, so they want to like rescue the, the this woman, um, 
but they just fucking uh they just like they they keep yeah, filming they and they just fucking like straight up rape her um and it's just on the scene is worse um than yeah. the than the first one um somehow then somehow worse than the first fucking uh assault scene um what was your interpretation because after they do this well and then don't they also kind of it it seems like then that they then pull in the one of the members of their their crew when she tries to stop them and it's kind of ambiguous but it kind of feels like then she is also yeah that's also like a that's also like a a muddier like like non-consensual uh sexy or something like that um it it well, just, you don't, it just you don't actually get one, but it, it it feels like she she got well because it's not even her boyfriend it's the other guy who pulls the other her. guy it feels like yeah. they just they just lose themselves to their you know the jungle is taking them it's not that it's literally not that at all no this movie explicitly tells you that these people are shitty it's not like they're going crazy it's literally they know they're they they were bet yeah they're from new york is the issue (laughs) 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 they're they're native new yorkers uh yeah it's i'm i'm actually so I'm on Long Island and you're in Rochester. So we're kind of yeah. like, but so we can, we, we can testify. We, we can say, say we can testify. We see this shit all the time. Well, you're we in like Canada. Canada. You're in Canada, New York. I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, it's like an hour drive. I'm in, Canada. I'm, I'm in suburbs, New York. Canada. Yeah. What was your thought? What was your interpretation of the, like when they find the body of the native that they raped? Right. Um, my assumption was that they staged that. Like they they find the they find her impaled essentially, um, killed and the body yeah. impaled. That's one of the most uh, like famous. Um, that's one of the most I think like famous little bits of uh, the movie is like people thought that that was like that act that like, that was a real act of killing. Like that was a real dead body that they were they were showing. Yeah. That was yeah. part of the huge controversy. Yeah, it's like someone like shish kebab on a on a steak. Um, it's, I mean it. It is. It looks insane. It looks cr- like it looks crazy, even by like modern standards. Yeah, I, I, I believe it, and I mean I have something to say about that too. But I, I, yeah, I can believe why people thought that. Um, but as but what you're saying, like, but what you're saying, like, what my thoughts on. Like I, I guess that's seen like a uh, story wise, and I think mm-hmm. I think that was pretty. I don't know if it was explicit, but that's kind of just something I assumed that they were trying to just that number one. Yeah, they were trying to dramatize everything, but in you know in the you know just in disregard for any of the lives of of the of the natives. Um, just tried to get the most shocking thing possible and killed her. Hmm. The way, the way that, the, that I think his name is Alan Yates. I, the way that the main guy plays it where 
he sounds like somebody who is pretending to have seen it for the first time when he's being recorded. He's like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, my yeah. God. Must be some kind of, you know, I don't know, ceremony or something. Like, there's something about the way that he talks, and he's, like, smiling, too, where <laughs> it, it to me it suggests that they murdered her and staged the body. Uh, you know, is that maximum yeah i i think i i i think i agree um or is that maybe that's the acting i don't not i'm not entirely sure um i mean yeah. the acting in this movie in general to me I, that's something that i haven't touched on uh with the acting in this movie um it's hard to gauge whether these are actually good performances to be honest um but <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, and there's I mean, also, honestly, there's yeah. also a lot of bad ADR too. Yeah, there is. And yeah, that's not something I had actually put them at fault. Um, I'm a sound engineer myself and really no one knew how to do ADR until like 2004 <laughs> with like any film. Like ADR wasn't <laughs> perfected until like, until like Lord of the Rings, which still has like the Per, like perfect ADR performances. So, mm. and, and we're dealing with a movie, and when you're dealing with something like Cannibal Holocaust, it's hard to like fault a film for yeah, just I, using ADR not too efficiently. So, yeah, I think part of that to me is like maybe it's the performance uh, there, or or it's deliberate. I mean, there's a lot of deliberate things in this film that go overlooked. So that's that might be one of them. To your point about the uh, the fact that people thought that that shish kebab woman was real, yeah. um, I think part of what what I found was that part of the effect is because you have real animal slayings uh, mixed in with like the fake sexual assault and the fake yeah. Uh, murder it makes it harder for your brain to tell while watching it what where the real ends and the fake begins (laughs) uh a lot it makes it a hell of a thing to watch it makes it a lot weirder (laughs) uh but yeah i think that's what's kind of like kind of what happened i think when you see the animal killings you can tell that they're real Without a doubt, you can tell that they actually killed a monkey and a tarantula and a turtle. So then your brain, like, you just logically assume, like, okay, well, uh, and especially back then with those audiences being as, I'm sure, like, I mean, not saying we're past racism, but, like, (laughs) 80s movies audiences, white movie audiences, I'm sure just assumed part of them had a hard time convincing themselves that like what they see were seeing wasn't real because they didn't know that much about foreign cultures and they could reasonably presume that like, Oh, some of this violence is real mm-hmm. because they're working with actual indigenous people or whatever. And, and, and I think the film was in part kind of sold on some of that, right? Like some of that shit is kind of earned, right? Like it, it, it kind of, the production kind of wanted that reputation a little bit. Absolutely. Am I right? Yeah, no, and that goes back to like the like the Mondo movement in general is just like out is about like just outdoing the, your fellow your your fellow filmmakers and like what you can depict. 
and Deodato is just like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fucking you know, make this, uh, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm going to make this, and then when anybody asks me if it's real or not, I'm gonna tell them that it is 100 percent within this, without a shadow of a doubt. I went to the Amazon. <laughs> with a bunch of, I think. Well, they did. The, that's the, the thing. Like though, the they actor, did. They did go to the Amazon. Yeah, yeah. They went to the Amazon. They killed actual animals. They filmed actual natives. So like, yeah. Why wouldn't they you were, believe that? I mean, like, why not? Um, yeah. It, it. When you get that close to reality, it's like, yeah. It, it makes the not real stuff kind of yeah. hard to believe. Uh. Um, if you yeah, if you're listening and you're like, why I haven't they talked about the they're they're like skipping over the turtle, and honestly, like the turtle scene. If you don't know the turtle scene, they literally just like murder the it. Not like a small turtle, even like a no, pretty, it was a big one. It's a big turtle. Um, it was like a sea turtle or something. Yeah, big sea turtle that they just obliterate, um, like dissect, um. And it's all shown. Nothing is censored at all. You can still watch this nope. scene in its entirety, which is crazy. And honestly, I find it hard to put any critical thought into this scene because this is the most extreme thing I think they show. Um, and it kind of just like doesn't really warrant analysis to me because um, it, it's one, it's like the most excruciating thing to watch. Number two, it's also the most like needless thing that they did. Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, I think a lot of the animals, I think I read that it was only really this, the monkeys, which they killed two of because they fucked up one of the takes or something. Yeah. Um, the monkeys were the only ones that actually definitely got eaten by the natives because the monkeys are a delicacy, apparently. Yeah. Um, but everything else... They might have just been killed needlessly. Um, and the turtle scene just goes on. It goes on for so on, long. Yeah. For so long, you're just watching them make a, like a soup out of this thing. Uh, this is the closest thing to capturing what it's like to... Well, it's where it's, I mean, it's happening to an animal, so it's a different thing, but like, this is the closest thing to watch is just like watching gore videos online, you know, in like yeah. a modern context. Like, that's pretty much what this is. And there's no artistic integrity to that. <laughs> there's nothing about no. that, that warrants discussion or anything. So, to me, this scene and this scene, again, like you said, it just goes on and on, it drags. There's nothing being it said. It's just a bad sequence of this film. Um, it, I don't know. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, people, certain people have different feelings about animals and, uh, and different kinds of animals, but it, it is weird. It is weird to me because it is a turtle. And like, I got a, one of those big turtles too. And I'm pretty confident that turtles live like longer than people. Um, especially like a sea turtle. That's awesome. Um, Good for them. So yeah, like they can live like certain species, I think like over a hundred years or something. Yeah. It just feels, it feels like 
so wasteful. Yeah. It just feels wasteful and it churns your stomach. It's so bad. Yeah, you really feel like you need a shower after this, after watching this scene. Pasta went down so, so fucking smooth with that scene. Yeah. It went down. <laughs> That's what I was oh saying. Like, that God. was the scene I had in mind while I was talking about, like, what's the perfect dish to watch with, yeah. with Cannibal Holocaust? It looked... I looked at the screen and I was like, that's what I'm, that looks like what I'm eating right now. <laughs> that looks like what happens when I eat. <laughs> oh, I don't know how, oh. yeah. So I don't know how you get this scene. When you, once you've watched this scene, I don't know how it, how it leaves your head, but, no, and it's fun. It's I like, mean, we, it's like weird because the other things are like the other, you know, fucked up things. The film crew does. The other things that they do are like, are fucked up or like more fucked up, like burning that hut full of people that like, that's more fucked up. I, I, I think, but it's fake. You know, it's like that is fucked up within the fiction of the film, which is why it warrants, I yeah. think more discussion. It makes sense to the narrative. It makes sense thematically. Um, all of that is sound, but then you just get this fucking morbid, uh, dissection of this real turtle and it's like man no one wants to see it. no one wants to see that i want to see gore in films but no one wants to see that shit no <laughs> like go like gory watch, yeah gory ripped off turned inside <laughs> out yeah uh, while he's alive and hear the 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 spit <laughs> and blood grow throat but don't nobody nobody wants to see that no i see it yeah turtles are way cooler than people (laughs) i love gory movies this sucks this is this this scene in particular just sucks yeah but after that i mean the the last like notable thing to to talk about uh you know that kind of caps off the found footage section is them just kind of getting what's coming to them um because that cannibal tribe uh, gets revenge on uh, on the documentary crew for the rape of um, that woman, and they just show them being like decapitated and killed, um, and that's kind of where it ends. Yeah, I, I think the 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 found footage ends there with them being slaughtered, and then the the executives decide not to show the footage. Yeah, they decide not to show the footage, and you get that last line. Man, who are the real cannibals? And that's a that's a corny line in any movie. This movie, honestly, like maybe he's right. No, what I'm ta- what I'm saying is like that's a corny line, but uh, it makes right. se- sense. It makes sense with what we just saw. Like the the kind of there are movies that do corny shit all the time that earn it. And yeah. I think Cannibal Holocaust earns a corny line, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, I, I, I mean, I've heard it said before. I wonder by the end of this, like, how I don't know how far we're going to get into podcasting and making different podcast episodes out of this, but I wonder how many times, should I keep, like, a capitalism counter? Should I keep, like, a... <laughs> like a a counter for how many times we talk about capitalism because I'm going to talk about it right now, but I feel like it won't be the last time the whole, I think the point that it's making as corny as it is, is that like we look at 
an indigenous culture like that, and and there are some actual cannibalistic tribes out there, and we say, oh, that's so fucked up. How how could a how could a culture take one of its own, kill them, or 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 use their body or whatever, uh, and for their own purposes, right? And it's like, well, there is an argument to be made that that's just a more direct version of what we do, and we do it on a far greater assembly line there's a bigger scale uh, to, to it yeah way bigger scale but it presented as less direct yeah. so that it doesn't look like that we're doing but there are absolute that's absolutely what we're doing we're absolutely vampirizing people all the time so it's like i mean i don't know we kind of are cannibals uh yeah surprise yeah surprise surprise uh a movie called cannibal holocaust has some shit on its mind <laughs> I think that's what we're. I think that's what we're trying to get at here. Ultimately, yeah. um, I guess to kind of uh, wrap things up a bit. Oh, can I say one more thing about Green Inferno? Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So there's all okay. Everything I just said about Cannibal Holocaust. So then you have Eli Roth comes along, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm gonna do an ode to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. That's what he sounds like." Yeah, we've all heard him talk. That's exactly uh, nope. what he sounds like. We all. <laughs> God, he's he, okay. Um, <laughs> the, so he makes Green Inferno, which is this throwback movie to to movies, Mondo movies like this. But it came out in 2013, and the premise of the movie is that these social activists who live in America decide that they want to stop this like like this chemical company from like ravaging in the Amazon where there's like indigenous people. And so they do like the social activist thing of like going there and like tying themselves up to like trees and stuff like that. And on their way back, their plane crashes and they encounter the native people there and the native people begin to eat them alive. And what that movie, (laughs) the impression of what that movie is leaving with you versus what this movie is leaving with you is like the polar opposite energy like (laughs) it's literally it's literally saying wow that'll fucking teach you to help brown people oh my god yeah like (laughs) what what a bunch of dipshit it's so i don't know no i I mean you you can't I, you can't trust Eli Roth as a filmmaker. I think that's ultimately what it <laughs> comes down to. Um, <laughs> at least, you know, with a film like Cannibal Holocaust, as gummy as a film that it is, there's something there on its mind. Um, and there's a reason that it's a touchstone in the history of, of, of film, you know, in, in a very strange way. No one's gonna give. No one gives a single shit about the Green Inferno. Uh, there's no like. No. There's nothing seminal about. Uh, you know, there's a difference between like I want to homage a film that that I like, and I want to do everything that this film does, but just so much fucking worse, and just completely like missing any uh, any artistic quality that that it might have uh, uh, assessed in, in its release. No, we're just going to kind of take a, a blanket of it and lay it over a weak script and uh, like this, like co-opting of an aesthetic. And then it's like, yeah, I mean, kind of like what happened with footage in general, right? Like, oh, 
we know this makes money or people liked this this is cool and i think it's cool yeah. but it's pre really the like it's pre like mainstream hollywood studios getting their foot into the the found footage game and there will be a lot of bullshit um but there's some good stuff obviously or else i wouldn't have be you know interested in making this show um but anyway kind of wrapping up our thoughts on cannibal holocaust i i think zach what you said about the your statement on uh the political and uh aspect of it i think weighs true throughout a lot more of the of the film than what a lot of people might think and as i said a lot throughout this show like i think a lot of that message is lost just throughout the excessive stuff that's that's in the film so for Mm. me honestly what makes this film matter most is strictly within like yeah this is the first found footage film but what does that really mean you know in in the modern context this is a film that you find when people talk about it on on reddit or like on a forum or my or in my case like i just found like some people were talking about this film in like a, a paranormal board forum just like the you know what's the most it was the craziest, you know, most uh, sick thing that you've seen. And people say, oh, it's, it's Cannibal Holocaust. Like, that's really what this fil- the legacy of this film is. Like, people just trying to shock themselves. But to me, yeah, I, think that, I, think, I think it means a lot more in terms of uh, in, the, in the filmmaking world, uh, at least, uh, you know, in the genre space. Because this is the first film that I, I've seen that kind of like visualized what it was like to what I was talking about before with, with, you know, reading HP Lovecraft or reading Frankenstein. To me, this is the visualization of that. And it took this film for someone to realize that that was something that was worth pursuing um, in a visual medium. Yeah. I mean, that's, so that's a really well said way to put it. I mean, I think I feel very similarly. I, like I said before, that indie spirit, it's just, it feels so rough around the edges and imperfect, but also like people were just trying to have fun and make something creative and weren't trying to like reinvent the wheel. It's just like pure innovation and problem solving. It just brings me back to like when I decided that I wanted to be a filmmaker and I was in high school and I made like super shitty movies. I think I actually, I did make a found footage movie that was nice. Um, so bad. I was so ashamed of it. Which that, we're going like, to, which we're going to talk about here on dark static. Uh. No, well, I deleted it, but you'll never be able to find it. We'll find um, it. <laughs> that'd be amazing. Go to the top man at Google. <laughs> their youtube servers and then we'll make a film about finding that footage that would be oh that would be man that would be a much better movie i'll tell you what yeah yeah we wouldn't kill we wouldn't need to kill any animals or or show any show any uh racy things yeah 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 it'll it'll be it'll be the best it'll be the best it'll be good movie Yeah, so I guess that about wraps uh, wraps it up on uh, on Cannibal Holocaust. Next week, um, we'll be talking about the McPherson tape, uh, which you haven't heard of that film. Never, yeah, I've never. I have a sort of history with uh, with this film actually. Um, 
So get excited because I got a lot. I got a lot to say about the uh, McPherson tape. So yeah, um, this has been the first episode of Dark Static. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Uh, leave us a comment, uh, rating, review, uh, whatever you guys want. Uh, five stars would be very, very nice. Um, but tell us what you think uh, about this show, what we can improve. Um, and yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back very soon. Thank you guys for listening.